The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Pod save the king! Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the King. I am your host, Anne Gripper, and Russell Myers, Royal Editor of the Daily Mirror, is here with us once again. Russell, lovely to see you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I am in uh, I'm in the sunny north of England for a change. We've had to uh, decamp from our building site of a house and uh, and come up to the in-laws. So it's uh, it's very nice what sort of home-cooked meals and carpet can do for one's soul. Dreamy, dreamy. No trip to Canada for you, though. So, we'll, I mean, when we chatted last week, Harry and Meghan were just landing in Whistler. So we've got a whole weekend of excitement in Sussex land and snow to catch up on. And then also Prince William is back at work. There's been a bit of glamour, some important matters um, in sort of UK society and then important international matters that he's been engaging in as well. And um, we'll chat about the King and Queen and various other royals as well, I'm sure. And I'm very excited to share with you the uh, the suggestions from our listeners on what should be on your coat of arms, Russell. I await them with trepidation, I think, but uh, we'll... We'll see. Mrs. Myers says she was having a lot of fun with the with her uh, version of events. So possibly less said the better. Well, possibly. Well, I think that I mean largely kind, but fun. <laughs> Very no, fun. Let's, let's get into it. Well, I mean, speaking of fun, Harry and Meghan looked like they had a lot of fun in Whistler. I mean, you know, Harry was getting stuck in as ever. They were there for an event marking one year until the Invictus Games, the sort of first winter edition. Harry hurtled down a skeleton bobsleigh madness, you know, headfirst on a tea tray, essentially, at nearly 100 miles. Well, not 100 miles, 100 miles an hour, 100 kilometres an hour nearly. 99 he clocked up, um, which is pretty rapid. And then a bit of curling. I've done the the stand-up version of curling, which is a lot of fun. He's doing the um, sitting, sitting curling as um, disabled participants might take part in. And he was doing sit skiing as well, all sorts of action man and Megan looked uh, she was giving her wardrobe a really good workout as well so it was interesting to see them and well we heard quite a lot from them as well well we did I mean where to start I think that uh, first and foremost uh, we were expecting some form of uh, interview no doubt Harry wants to publicize the Invictus Games everybody knows what sort of laudable organization he's set up uh, over the last few years and a fantastic sense of achievement it is and it is definitely going from strength to strength I've been lucky enough to go to a couple of them uh, both in London and Australia um, and you look at sort of the, the the nature of the beast, as it will, he's sort of coming into his own. Um, you think when he's going to Invictus, it's going to be without the sort of uh, trials and tribulations of the royal family and uh, and all the baggage that follows him when he's with his people, really, because he's with a lot of uh, ex-army 
and uh, armed services personnel. He's talking to veterans all the time. He's talking to them about their families. And when you when I've seen some of the clips, like some of the clips that sort of um, some of the competitors have, have showed, some of the, the the fans who have gathered for uh, in Whistler last week for the for one year. You call it an anniversary, don't you? It's a one year, one year to go. Milestone, it's a one maybe, year yeah. to go. Milestone. Yeah. I mean, there was it, it all seemed pretty jovial when everybody was having a good time and he seemed very relaxed and back to the old Harry. But um, obviously we were awaiting what sort of interview would um, would be forthcoming. And it was a pretty big one. I mean, Good Morning America, massive, massive audience. No doubt. Of course, that was going to get picked up the world over. I was pretty surprised of uh, of who did it. It was Will Reeve, who is the uh, better, probably better known for being the son of Christopher Reeve, the Superman actor. Um, but the, the interview left me a little bit cold. Really, I thought he was he was just sort of shifting around in his pockets. He didn't really look very comfortable. You would have imagined something like that would have been media managed to within an inch of its life. He would have known the exact questions, and you know, time after time, I thought his 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 answers were really short. They were quite pressured. They were snappy. They were a little bit curt. Um, the question about American citizenship, um, about whether he was enjoying life in the states. Uh, I mean, he yeah, he answered that the most honest. I thought he said he was amazing and having a good time, but, but the stuff about you know, whether he would think about becoming an American citizen, you would have thought that that would have been, he would have thought about that. And his answers were a little bit, I don't want to say clumsy because he was sort of caught on the hop, but it just didn't feel very natural to me. And I felt, I felt for him a little bit because I thought that he should have just been better prepared. It was almost like a journalist had grabbed him and they call it a brush past in the industry when you sort of get, get a member of the royal family and you and you kind of sorted it out with their people that if there's time they will walk past you and you'll have a couple of words with them you might get one or two questions out of them and it had the air of that it didn't really have the air of the you know those pr polished interviews that he gave when he was publicizing his memoir um last year and it was all it was all just a bit sort of you know a bit pressurized and a bit stressed, but understandably, he's had a pretty, um, pretty stressful time over the last few weeks, hasn't he? He's had uh, his father, his father's cancer diagnosis, his trip over to the UK. We'll get into the the fact of whether he's having conversations with his people about potentially putting him forward himself forward for a temporary role within the royal family. But there's a there's obviously a lot on his plate. I thought the I thought the interview was interesting. So I watched it after I'd already read your verdict on it so I didn't think it I it didn't feel quite as sort of uncomfortable as it maybe felt to you somehow maybe because I had very high expectations of it being a total total disaster but I thought the I guess the cutting of it was quite interesting and whether there was gaps or I would love to know what was in those in-between bits of like come on you've got to give us a bit more here or whatever it was or whether he was like no I'm not I'm not going there that's what that's it what that's what you're getting you would love to know what those in-between bits were um it was a bit chip chippy in places I think the thing it struck me as is like a politician right because he's there he wants to talk about the Invictus Games that's the thing, but obviously people are also interested in him, his family. That's kind of the selling point, and that's you know that is part of what he and Meghan bring as figureheads for any of these um, causes or events that they're involved in. They bring that 
glamour, that baggage, that backstory, that curiosity and interest and that that audience for things. That's the attraction of them. So you're going to get asked about them. But practised politicians are able to sort of give an illusion of answering the question while segueing back to the thing that they actually want to talk about. And it struck me that he's not he's not quite polished or practised and comfortable in that same way. And it is a it is a skill. Um and he's he did look naturally engaged when he was talking about the things that he felt comfortable and happy talking about. Like he's not going to get into trouble talking about how much he enjoys his own life in America, whereas anything that he wants to say about his family, maybe it is a good sign that he was more uncomfortable doing that because he felt there was more at stake and he didn't want to put a foot wrong. Whereas maybe a year ago when he was doing his memoir and it was, you know, burn all the bridges, don't really care this is I'm speaking everything as I say it and as I feel it because I'm living it now whereas now it was maybe a bit more measured and there is something here to lose and I do have a greater responsibility and I can't upset the apple cart because if I do that while my dad is having cancer treatment then a that's not fair on him and b people think really badly of me for doing it. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, there's obviously a lot of pressure on his shoulders as well as uh, individual members of the royal family. And uh, he, I mean, he could t- talk to the cows come home about Invictus and how it makes him feel and his life in uh, in California and the fact that his kids are doing really well. I mean, he tried to sort of sidestep that issue. I mean, it, there's the, the issue that he has of wanting intense privacy for his children and also realizing he's got to give a little bit out there because he is a he's a public figure and there um and his life is interesting to the public and if he wants to publicize his endeavors or whether he's at charity functions or his his various um uh, sort of commercial endeavors he he kind of has to give a little bit of himself and that's part of the um the role of being a, p- a public personality isn't it so um the, the the issue i had was that the it was just a management of the whole interview and i thought that you know they were trying to sort of eke a little bit more out of him and i thought if it were me and i was the gma producers i would have said listen we're going to ask five questions these are we we need to address the the fact that you've just come back from the uk we can ask you about your father you can then kick that back and then it looks like you have kicked it back um that you don't want to talk about it and that's private and that's totally fine but that will lead on to another question about whether you think you're going to come back to the uk or and it was just a bit snappy um again listen i I do have some degree of sympathy with with harry because i think that there is an awful lot of things happening in the background um, as we came on to the fact that is his trip to the UK just sort of um, a very rare occurrence? I mean, he hadn't seen his father for 16 months face to face. The fact that they only sat down for 30 minutes speaks volumes. But um, is he going to come back to the UK? Has he got more... Is it more um, trips planned is he going to get to see his family they didn't ask him obviously anything about his brother or Kate or anything to do with the family relations but he just said he's going to come um he's going to come back to the UK in the next few weeks uh, well in the near future I suppose and that he will uh he will make attempts to see his family but I thought it was interesting that he did say you know I'll, I've got trips coming back to the UK or coming through the UK and I, I words along the line you know I'll try and see as much of my family as I can or you know I'll try and see my family but he said my family he didn't say my dad so fine. yes that no might, very that might be the yeah. cousins and we know he is he has you know remained on good terms with with the cousins probably more easily than some of the other members of the 
the family um and you know like you said we don't probably expect William to be at the vanguard of the people that is going to be practical for him to meet and you know if if so Birmingham is bidding to win the Invictus Games and this is obviously like quite a lot of years ahead if Birmingham gets the game but if we were at a stage where William and Harry still weren't speaking but the games came to Birmingham I mean we're back to like William would look quite churlish not to go to yeah, 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 like yeah, that yeah. Um, so that, I mean that's a very long a long time ahead and a lot of um, water to go under a lot of bridges before then but just sort of that on the radar of the future I mean what did you make of the sort of um, what the the content of what Harry said particularly around I guess or, or the, the sort of the interpretation afterwards about Harry potentially being ready to take on a a bit of a role while Charles is unwell and we're sort of back into that half in half out proposal which kind of the Sussexes wanted when they were leaving but the Queen said no you're in or you're out essentially. Well I think you know the the fact remains that it is unworkable and people at the palace were telling me nothing has changed from the Sandringham summit there has been absolutely no movement um, from their side. This report um, I mean it's something that I'd heard that not necessarily to do with um his father's illness but it's something that harry has has spoken about privately to his friends beforehand saying that he could he could potentially see a role for himself in the future and that was before his uh, the the king was diagnosed with cancer so now it's more prevalent the fact that he has had definitely had those discussions with his friends there is room in his mind for still for a temporary role once the the, the fires sort of blow over or come down somewhat um, over the, from what's happened over the last couple of years. But it is completely unworkable from the palace's mind. Um, I think that what he would like is some form of role to keep an association with the UK and some of his former patronages. It would work well with the sort of uh, the veteran community with Invictus. Um, but, you know, things are working out pretty well, the palace feel. I mean, that seems a, quite a bold statement seeing as the king is out of action the princess of wales is out of action uh william's just got back to work he's taking on the middle east and and what god knows what else homelessness and big big projects so you would think they would welcome a, a couple of helping hands but if it's harry and megan they've probably got other ideas i mean this story this week came from a report in the times that harry had told uh friends that he was considering a temporary role if he was asked i checked it out and and definitely people close to him were telling me that this is something that he is he is considered. Um, I don't think he, from the nature of what I was told, he wouldn't put it forward. He would need to be asked. And that definitely isn't going to be forthcoming because, you know, his brother would absolutely put a stop to it. I mean, if there was a chink in um, the armour, um, it would be from Charles, who is definitely willing to have a different relationship with him. He Mrs. Harry, Mrs. the grandchildren, he would want to have a personal relationship with him. I don't think the king has even thought of bringing him back in temporary role or otherwise into, back into the fold. But even if he did, let's say, hypothetically, there is absolutely no chance that William would allow it to happen. And um, it was described to me by people close to William as, uh, you know, he's got a 0% chance of this happening. So that tells you an awful lot about the relationship between the two of them still. Is there sort of a weird power struggle now in some ways in that, you know, Charles is the king, but William will be, 
you know, King poten- potentially sooner than he might have expected on Coronation Day last year. Um, but certainly, you know, Charles has taken the throne when he's in his 70s and William can sort of see kingship ahead of him slightly more closely than when Charles became heir to the throne. So Char- it's difficult for Charles to put in something now that William is adamantly against, but then William's kind of standing up to the king and it's a bit weird. Well, I think, listen, they do a lot of, they do discuss all sorts of things. Um, they have regular meetings. I mean, they were meeting several times when uh, when William was at Sandringham and the king has obviously been staying there. I think the king uses him as a real safe sounding board. Um, he's doing his own thing, but he also realises that his reign isn't going to be decades and decades and that he's almost preparing William for kingship as well to take the top job as a far younger man than he was. So, he has one eye on that as well, and it is very collegiate between the two of them. I don't think there would be any type of you know, coming to blows over Harry because I don't think that the king thinks that that would be a good idea anyway. As I said, he would like a personal relationship with him, but not um, at all welcoming him, welcoming him back into the fold. Now, for the fact of you know how it works between the two of them, I think there is an open channel. I don't think they are unaligned on many things um and it's something that both each both of them value each other's um counsel on certain things and this is definitely one of them i'm sure he would say you know are you going to see your brother when he's over here have you spoken to him that sort of thing and i and and it's pretty much a three-line wit from william he doesn't want anything to do with him certainly now whether that changes in the future remains to be seen but um but certainly the uh the relationship is um is, is very very bad when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think overall we can put Canada down as a success for the Sussexes. They're great pictures, good coverage. Um, is that what would be your assessment, Russell? Yeah, listen, it got great, it got good coverage. It's probably not being as well covered as it would have done if the Royal Pack were invited. I mean, I don't really know many journalists who went out there. It certainly wasn't on their agendas. And again, that is quite surprising seeing as we've had two of the Wales's trip cancelled, the King and Queen's trip to Canada, almost certain to not go ahead. Um, there's a few people who are, you know, kicking their heels with, with some, looking for something to do. And yet it wasn't the ticket that everybody was going to go out and, and pursue. Um, it's a difficult because... one, I think. Sorry, is that is that because people weren't invited? So it wasn't clear that they would get access to be able to cover it properly because the Sussex have said we don't really want the royal pack involved in things you know they've it's, got it doesn't matter whether it's area. us I mean we 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 could have sent somebody from you know the Daily Mirror I'm sure I mean that's well versed that Harry and Meghan have their favorites in the press and people that they don't necessarily respond to um although that you know the tides of change potentially are happening with that. I think that they are realising that they can't have blanket bans on huge sections of the media, that they um, they have to have a relationship with, with again, certain sections that they may have outcast. Um, 
but I think that people just thought, well, you know, what what sort of coverage is it going to get? It wasn't sort of wall to wall, was it? I mean, I didn't see masses and masses. I didn't see anything really on the broadcast apart from Harry's interview with GMA, and then it, again, it was very very focused on the royal family. It was a you know, almost Invictus was the uh, the platform for it, but the the content was was very much to do with his whether he was going to come back, his talk, conversations with the king, how he was feeling, you know. Talk about body language, language experts. It was uh, it was there for all to see. I think I I made a fair assessment where he looked very uncomfortable, and it wasn't one of those I expected them to be a bit more relaxed and it to be a walking chat, and it just it just seemed a little bit forced. And maybe he'd um, you know, we we know Harry has an issue with uh, with, with with huge sections of doing media work, but perhaps it could have been a bit more relaxed. Maybe it's because I'm a denizen of the internet, so I just got to enjoy all, all of the fabulous pictures and smiles and fashion and snow and all of those kind of things. Again, it, which makes it come across as very glossy in a lot of ways, which is uh, what I that's kind of what I think of the brand, the Sussex brand. It is glossy. But last week, Russell, you posed an excellent question of the week to our listeners. Which was, what should be on Russell's coat of arms. And then I, d- I did put a bid in for my own as well. Um, what were you hoping people would say? Do you have any hopes and dreams for your coat of, coat of arms? Oh, just something funny. Come on. I need a laugh. It's, well, been, a, it's been a stressful answers, couple of weeks. The first two answers I saw were pussy bow. And then that just kept on going. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm going to put that in my own one. So long time listeners of the show, clearly. And I was just like, oh, when was the last time we spoke about Pussy Bows? This is partly, you know, Kate has been um, off the scene for a bit. And then also, I mean, are they still in fashion? Um, so I lost count of the number of listeners that suggested that. So many thank you, thanks uh, for those. Although someone else did suggest double denim. So thanks, Daryl D. Bink. Absolutely. Yes. Now. Love a bit um, of double denim. Quite a lot of suggestions for quills and passports, a microphone or bugle. Um, to announce the news so I quite like that one that feels very coat of arms-ish a crooked crown which I think is both a nod <laughs> to our logo and your uh, general cheek and um, <laughs> my favourite was uh, the person who suggested Ian Vogler should be on it so maybe you could have you know you have your supporting animals either side so maybe it's Ian Vogler one side and me the other side with you. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great like forget about the lion and the unicorn this is what we need yes exactly so on on my front the first one i saw said horse and then megan Zella quickly said oops thought you were asking about princess anne so that made me laugh um there were lots of suggestions of cornish things um pasties and scones um karen follow a regular correspondent she suggested demelza poldark as well um but people were actually very were very kind and um and lovely to me which i liked so nancy suggested a dove of peace but clearly because i oh. want peace between the Wales and Sussex clans. Um, Dana Marie suggested my garden. And then two people suggested scales of justice. Holly Lynch said, I'm always able to see both sides. And Amanda Nazaro said, um, always balancing Russell's more vehement opinions. I live for both. <laughs> to be so, um, yes, tremendous Very work, good. everybody. You are Judge Judy in the relationship, it must <laughs> be said. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add my own animals. I'm going to have a dance on one side and a dragon the other side as my... As my support, so you can have you can have me and I'm claiming a dancer and a dragon. Um, right, next next challenge, listeners. If anybody's feeling fancy and is good at drawing, then you know feel free to make your own creations out of those suggestions. No, not really. No homework. Um, there will be a question of the week later on, though. But first, we've got um important matters to discuss. Well, a little bit of glamour first with William 
back on the red carpet at BAFTA. No Kate this year. Um, her BAFTA outfits are always a highlight. Um, so very, very much hope she will be fully recovered and back on the red carpet next year. Um, hopefully she was able to enjoy watching others in their pretty dresses and uh, smart suits at the weekend instead. And then um, that was on the evening there'd been a big announcement. Um, so it was a sort of follow up in the Sunday Times to Williams Homelessness Work, um, a social housing project in Newquay, Nansledden, um, with a number of uh, social houses working with one of the Cornish homelessness charities that he'd met last year. Um, so it was interesting he'd been given a book by the charity when he was speaking to them which had about sort of the experience of homelessness and what it's like and he thought it was so important he got a copy or a arranged for a copy to be had by each of the members of the sort of the council that runs the duchy of cornwall as they embark on this on this big project to use duchy land to help tackle homelessness partially and then we've had a big political intervention with a you know bold statement really about the Middle East and an area that William cares a lot about but in some ways it's surprising to have a royal getting that close to it if you like. Yeah I suppose they are two political aspects aren't they I mean you're talking about this uh, Prince William building social housing pretty much in his back garden it's, um, this is going to be part of uh, his five-year homewards programme hoping to end homelessness for good in the UK. 24 social homes being built in, the, is it Nandleston? Have I pronounced oh, that right? I'm going Nansledden. Nansledden. Nansledden in Cornwall. Um, we've talk, talk, spoken about the Homewards programme before, and it's a very, very laudable project. I mean, trying to build social homes, build on, the, in, on these projects, going to be on Dutchy Cornwall land. There's also another project which is going to be in Kent. That's a, a, a quite an, a big um, big building project to, to not only have sort of social housing, but other housing within the community to then raise funds to then put back into the house building programme. And um, it's it, you are straying into the realms of politics. Whatever you say, this is a political problem in this country. There is a, a distinct lack of social housing right the way back to the 1970s and successive government after successive government are failing to act on this. We need something like... Um, there's 700,000 social homes built immediately. And then you're talking with tens of thousands more every year. So 24 homes being built it is a very, very small drop in the ocean. But at least he is trying to make a difference. And I think by him doing it, by him basically putting his money where his mouth is, is opening up the conversation. And um, you've, you've had experts saying that these the lack of truly affordable homes is causing homelessness and resulting in hundreds of thousands of people living in poor quality temporary accommodation. That was from Peter Mackey, who's a member of the Homewards National Expert Panel. And that is exactly what they're trying to do, trying to change the rhetoric, trying to change the thinking of house building in this country to force the government into action. I mean, we all think we're going to have a change of government in this country in the next few months. So, is this something that uh, that a new government could get on board with and uh, and try and learn the lessons of what he is doing from a charitable perspective? Then, fresh from that, you're getting it really into the realms, not just of our politics, but in the, on the international level as well with the Israel-Gaza conflict that is raging on. And I think that um, William... It, I mean, my opinion is absolutely right to be using his platform for for such um, 
such an event like this. I mean, the he's as he said himself, there is far too much um, human suffering. The cost of this human suffering and the cost of the loss on both sides is absolutely horrendous. And this unprecedented statement talk about talking about being deeply concerned about the terrible human cost since the October 7th uh, terrorist attack. Too many have been killed. I want to see an end to the fighting as soon as possible. Then discussing the desperate need for humanitarian support, critical aid getting through to Gaza as well, whilst that central point that the hostages must be released. So if he isn't getting involved in sort of the, the rhetoric of a two-state solution. He isn't getting, I think, too involved in what our government should be doing this is purely on a humanitarian level by talking about his concern as a father, uh, the loss of life on both sides, the fact that the humanitarian situation is absolutely dire. And um, he will, of course, be criticised about such statements. But uh, Richard Kay in the Daily Mail today wrote a fantastic piece, really drawing a parallel with how Princess Diana was absolutely lambasted at the time for getting involved in the in landmines and the issue the scourge of landmines in Angola and beyond. And uh, people saying that you know, this is far too, too much into the realms of politics for a member of the royal family. And look about the work that she was able to do, putting it on the um, on the global awareness, uh, global consciousness. And um, and I think this is, is this is very very similar. One may say, what are, you know, what tangible difference can he make? But it was on the front page of nearly every paper today. It's going to make international headlines. And I think when you look at the the interest that William has had in the region, I travelled there in 2018 when he became the first member of the royal family to visit Israel and the occupied Palestinian territories at once. And um, I was told at the time, it was our front page that week, uh, that he, he is going to make this his life's mission to try and seek some sense of the madness of the situation that has in, engaged for decades and decades and to try and do whatever he can to ju- bring a just and lasting peace. And he may be a very small cog in this huge machine, but I think his intentions are wholehearted and he should be applauded for them. And anyone who is saying, that this is um, not for him to comment on really needs to take a take a look at themselves I mean we've not got very far with the politicians so far over well exactly so you know it's opening up the conversation and people are then saying he might not be able to make much of a tangible difference but he might he might also be able to make it so why not give it a go and I think that 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 is something we we criticize not us necessarily but there the, the roles are open for huge amounts of criticism and this is a it's it's almost on a par with what Charles was saying about the uh, climate change in the environment back in the 70s. If you are not banging a drum and aligning yourself to causes that you believe in, then, well, what is your purpose? And your purpose is there to fulfil your duty and to try and leave the world a better place. And that's exactly what he's doing. Uh, look forward to seeing how it evolves. It might go question of the week on this one, since it is kind of the the topical thing. Um, can... Can William make a difference? Is he right to get involved? What do you hope to see? Uh, there will be a shorter form of that question on our Instagram story, so do let us know. Um, we saw Charles again on Sunday, waving. With Camille. Yeah, 
Yeah, and I think, listen, that's pretty much going to be the order of the day, isn't it? We're not going to see too much of him. Um, Well, this is in the space-time continuum. So we, of course, have seen him because um, he is due in the next uh, hour or so, as we are recording on Wednesday afternoon, to meet the Prime Minister um, in his first weekly audience since his cancer diagnosis was made public and since Parliament came back from recess. Um, This is the first time that both him and Rishi Sunak are going to meet in person. They have, of course, spoken when the King's diagnosis was made public uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, And since then, Parliament has been in recess for the half term. The King has been sort of to and from London and Sandringham. But they are going to meet at the Palace um, this afternoon. And we will see some broadcast images and some still images from the Press Association. And I think that that is what the King is trying to do. He is trying to travel in the state Bentley wherever possible, being seen walking to church, seeing the Prime Minister on a weekly basis, whilst he's not going to be taking part in these public um, engagements and because of the risk of infection with his weekly cancer treatment, he wants to maintain an air of, you know, as the late Queen said, being seen to be believed. And I think that that is very important for his reign over the next few weeks, especially when we're not going to see a lot of him. And he's undergoing this treatment, which I imagine is quite solitary and the fact that he's not necessarily in the hustle and bustle of work he's taking himself off to Sandringham for large parts of the week and I think that he will um that will try and bolden embolden his spirits because uh it's probably a bit of a lonely journey going through cancer I speak from experience from family members but it's something that he's trying to keep his hand in uh, with work a little bit until he can um, he can come back and again people I've spoken to have said he will be back as soon as possible as soon as he feels well and able or gets the all clear from uh, from undergoing this treatment he will be back um, as, uh, as soon as he can. Any other royal engagements that you've enjoyed over the last week when we spoke last week it was just before Camilla was off to meet do the sort of the Shakespeare event where there was that fantastic picture of her with all the dames, which I thought was brilliant. And then um, I've enjoyed the video on Chris Ship ITV's um, Instagram story of the medical detection dog getting rather distracted when meant to be dropping off a little a little present for the Queen and decided to go take a tour and go check out the microphones and the cameras instead, which was well. We all need some Camilla would have loved it. <laughs> Oh, cheery doggies. That's what you need when it's all getting a bit fraught with the, exactly. with the Middle East and uh, family relations fracturing at the left, right and centre. Yeah, Sophie's had been out and about and Edward's been busy. I mean, Edward looks so much like his dad these days, I think. Well, he does. I mean, he's, he's certainly ageing, isn't he? He was always quite baby-faced, I thought, about William. But, you know, he, we, were, we were all getting older and he's certainly uh, he's morphing into his father. Anything that we have to look forward to coming up, Russell? Uh, a couple of embargo engagements. I don't think we're going to, uh, you know, they're talking about William um, being back at work this week. It's been a bit of a slow and tentative steps. Obviously, an awful lot of um, headlines over the, his comments, uh, Israel Gaza comments. He did um, an investiture at Windsor Castle today. And I think that over the next couple of weeks, we're going to see him getting back to work um, over, you know, in terms of a more regular beat, I would say. The royal family's interim new normal as Kate continues her recovery and the king continues his treatment. And Russell and I will continue getting together in between times. I have the great delight next week, hopefully, of interviewing Ingrid Seward, who's got a new book out um, about 
the king's relationship with his um with his mother but we'll be talking to her about all sorts of royal things as well so if you do have questions that you would like me to put to her drop me a line on um on instagram and i will see about what i can do with that i'm very much looking forward to having a chat with her to share the interview with you all in a few weeks time but hopefully we should have a, a regular episode next week with Russell and me, either in the studio or in the sunny north, by some means, as we have done for even all the way through the pandemic. We will make sure that we get you some fabulous royal news and chatter with or without coats of arms. And we look forward to sharing with <laughs> it, it with you again. Thank you for joining us. And until next time. Pod save the king.